When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of What's New Barkeep. I'm Dane. I'm Luke. And we're here for another mm, fun episode. Uh, fun is actually not the worst idea, because this is one of those days where it's going to be, for new people, these are the drinks you would probably do do as a go-to, because you've never had drinks before. Like, for instance, what do we have in front of us? We have... Well, for this one right here, we have... My notes here. <laughs> professional af people <laughs> our first one we have a pina colada and we will not make that reference no we will save you all the sanity absolutely so yes i am i have never actually tried this drink before i have it's really good it's also really good if you like sugar sugar so all right bottoms up thumbs up three two one Ooh. hmm Ooh, man you don't not really get that. You don't get that coconut too much. No, you don't really. You don't really taste the coconut. So, it is very pineapple-y. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, for those of you wondering, if you would like to make the drink yourself, just get yourself some clear rum with some coconut milk, pineapple juice, and then add in a little bit of lime juice. Honestly, I've had this before. I've actually, that's more or less the bare bones recipe. I remember making this a lot, long, long time ago, maybe a decade or more. And yeah, I remember there's a bunch more stuff to it. Now, I'm pretty sure, yeah, this is just the bare bones recipe, and it's a lot of the other add-ons that you had were probably people mm. customizing it. Could very well be. Granted, I was I think I was underage at that point. Oh. <laughs> yeah, because over a decade ago, it would have been, around 10 years ago, it would have been 20. Oh, okay. So that actually explains a lot. That does explain a lot. But either way, on to today's topic, nerdy stuff. You know, the things that we can talk about for hours, but we'll try not to bore you with we're sorry for the extra long episode but if you need to fall asleep just be sure to have this on oh yeah the sleep aid will be great so let's get started then with the first one which would be magic the gathering ah yes magic the gathering and yes he did teach me <laughs> surprise surprise folks he actually beat me both times we played i should not have won the first time i really should not have yeah, for those who do play Magic, you'll understand this plight of getting mana flooded when you really, really need cards. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, I experienced that during the second game. Yeah, but you still beat me because Edgar Markov. Edgar Markov. But yeah, I have actually been playing Magic the Gathering for... Oh boy. My brother originally got me into it when I was want to say I was just getting into middle school. So, probably 20 years ago. Oof. Yeah. Maybe not quite that long. At least 15. At least. I've never played Magic the Gathering before. True, but you also were, did play Yu-Gi-Oh!, which do, does have a few similarities to it. A few, but as I found out very quickly, uh, not a lot. <laughs> True, but enough for you to get a basis, though. If we ever do get enough fans that actually start asking me questions about Magic the Gathering, I'm going to say this right now. I have not bought any new cards since Return to Ravnica. 
which even now is a bit old. I mean, yeah, that is, um, I, uh, how old would you say that is? Like five years? Not quite that long, about maybe three at the time of this recording. Three years old at the time? Hmm. Maybe not quite that old. I think the thing is my days blend a lot, so it could very well just be a year and a half. I don't know. But I know it's been quite a while, and a lot of sets have come by. Oh, it sounds a lot like Yu-Gi-Oh. It's a, a new set almost every year. More than that. Don't get me wrong, they still have the core set, like, you know, 2019, 2020, 2018, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But they also have these, like, in-between where, for instance, there's Innistrad, or Abnica, uh, Zendikar. And for those of you who don't know what Magic the Gathering is, I'm basically just speaking gibberish. Yeah, yeah that, I would be one of them. <laughs> Magic the Gathering actually isn't just a card game. It, it actually does have its own lore. It's actually really interesting if you get into it. Personally, I wasn't a fan of the lore when it came to Zendikar because there's a couple of characters I just don't like from that set. Like, for instance, I didn't like Jace, basically because he is literally, literally everybody's favorite. Even in the card sets, he was overpowered as hell, depending on which set you got. Like, it was in perspective. I forget which Jace it was. I want to say... No, I'm not going to look at it unless I actually have reference to it. But it was a foil version of this Planeswalker that I sold for 300 bucks. If that gives you any kind of... <laughs> God. I don't, I don't know of any cards that actually sell for that high. Oh, Magic has a few of those, actually. Oh, Jesus. Uh, actually, a lot more than that, because there's... I'm sure you've heard of the Black Lotus. Uh, kind of. Maybe in passing, but not, not terribly so. I want to say that it can easily go for five grand, if not more. Oh, Jesus. Yep. Then there is the Mox cards. Mox Pearl, Mox Emerald, Mox Opal, blah, blah, blah. Basically, those things can go for, I want to say, a couple grand a piece. Sounds like another shiny Charizard all over again. <laughs> oh, Pokemon, I miss playing the card game. Although, looking back at it, I have not played anything since Gen 1. Yeah, wow, that's a big, big difference for me, who has played almost all the generations except for 4 and 5. Well, I'm talking card game, I'm talking the actual video game. No, card game, No, you're, I'm even worse. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've only done Gen 1 when, you know, what was it? That one card that everyone got into an uproar about. Oh, yeah, the kanji that everybody mistook for a swastika. Oh, yeah, yes, that, that one. set. That one, that one trainer card. Mm -hmm. Or, the, you know, the uh, nude silhouette of Misty. Misty's Tears. <laughs> yep, which got remade because, for good reason, because Misty, even doesn't matter which, whether you go Japanese, American, whatever, she's still, like, 13. 12. Is it seriously 12? 12. At least her and Snow White would actually get along, because they're about the same age. Oh, dear lord. <laughs> yeah, like, no joke, like, in uh, Disney's uh, uh, Snow White, she is meant to be 13-ish years old. We are sorry for your ruined childhood. <laughs> right? Yeah, so let's have a man with a dagger kill a 13-year-old girl. Defenseless 13-year-old girl. We did enough. I think we're ready for our next drink. Oof. We should have stirred that. We should have shaken that a little better. Oh, that burnt. <laughs> well, maybe so. But you might like this one a little bit better. This next one is a personal favorite of mine, a Tequila Sunrise. Never had it, which is, again, kind of surprising. But then again, kind of not, because I kind of avoid tequila. Like, if you like tequila, fine and dandy. I don't really have care about your preferences. But for my mind, tequila is one of those alcohols that I consider, quote-unquote, dangerous. Because at least with something like beer or whiskey, you're going to be kind of getting the usual drunkenness, like 
oh, well, they're being wow, they're being, you know, bubbly, they're being this or that. Tequila is kind of the wild card. Yeah, it, it definitely is the wild card. Fun fact about myself, tequila was my first hard alcohol. I apologize. <laughs> I, I don't blame, I don't, I don't regret it right now. But Ooh, I just drank that before we did a countdown. Oops. Um, that's fine. How'd you taste? Not bad. Not bad. That grenadine actually does help a lot with it. But I'm actually not a huge fan of just straight, tasting straight up liquor. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll admit straight tequila oh that stuff still makes me cringe Mm -hmm. i remember actually reading an article i want to say it was 2018 or 2019 but how tequila prices are actually going to be going up here pretty soon because they're fun because of how uh, things like avocados marijuana and whatnot down in mexico are actually being more grown more actively the agave plant is actually getting less production Hmm. yeah i'm not sure if that actually affected anything recently or i don't know if that just never came to pass, but it was still an interesting thing. It's like, huh? Yeah, I haven't, I haven't purchased anything tequila related in a year and a half. So, oh, here's another fun little thing that I heard. You know what the cartels are actually their biggest pusher is for smuggling into the U.S. Mm. Want to take a guess? I, I've never really kept up with that stuff. So, avocados. Really, avocados? Yeah, avocados. Like you'd think it'd be something like you know. The illegal drugs that you know Trump keeps on posting on about, but no, it's avocados. Huh. I love avocados. So well, the thing is, because of how popular avocados have gotten, that's why because they're basically uh, strong arming avocado farmers to produce more. No, that well, hey, it's just avocados, not illegal drugs <laughs> or illegal people or illegal people. But let's move on to our next subject that is <laughs> part of nerd stuff, which is LARPing experience. Oh, yes. Well, I was going to take Dane to the uh, Ardag event, but unfortunately, he was, his brain wasn't working that day. I was a little indisposed. Yeah. Here's another fun thing. My wife actually brought this up when she actually listened to the episode, that first episode. She says that I might want to calm down in the whole talking about SCA and explain what it is. SCA, I forget what it actually stands for, but what it boils down to is it's those people wearing, you know, full armor or breastplates or something like that with live steel. There's the ones that are, if you want a reenactment, you call them. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. And here's the thing. I have no problem with them. They, their medium is just as valid as ours. We've actually fought people from SCA when, when they have used our weapons. It, they are fun, cool people. I am going to say, if you want to do SCA, go right ahead and do it. Find a group. That's perfectly fine but it is going to run you more than it would if you were to go to one of our events. Because it's not just, you know, wall jewelry that you find, like, in a nerd in a nerd's basement. <laughs> it's live, sharpened steel. Ooh, ooh, sh- sharp steel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not, no, no foam, no PVC pipe, actual living steel. Live steel, yep. And, or rotan, which, for those who don't know what rotan is, it's basically a sturdy wood. You're basically hitting someone with a legitimate stick. Oof, God. Oh, and it's not the flexible stuff like you get from Kendo, which is made out of ben, which is bamboo. No, no, this is closer to, I want to say, I'm again, I might be talking out of my ass here. I think it's closer to oak. It is a sturdy wood. Uh, I, I wouldn't know. I, <laughs> I, I am not a tree biologist. I could not answer you there. <laughs> tree biologist. I, I forget. I, are they bot? Uh, I, think it, I think it's, I think it is botanist there, Dane. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I've been drinking. <laughs> I think it is botany in regards to trees. Like I think plants in general is just straight up botany. Yeah, that makes sense. 
our event was actually fun. Granted, we couldn't because of COVID, we couldn't really go full bore bringing as many people as we wanted to. Which again, safety first. We did all the precautions. There was, you know, hand there was sanitizer to help if anyone else was using your weapons, sanitize the weapons. You had masks. Like we did everything we basically needed to. It was fun. I want to say that I think that I really should have you take a look at those weapons again, though. Because I think you're kind of over overestimating the density of the foam. Probably. <laughs> Granted, I took a good shot to the knee, so I might be just as used to the attacks. Oh, yeah. I remember you showing me the weapons you mm -hmm. had at one point, like, back in, what, 2018? The weapons really haven't changed that much. They're still basically what we use for foam is either EVA, which is a kind of a dense, a denser foam. It's not like mattress foam or anything. To put this in simple terms, think of something like mattress foams, cushion foams has open cell. Basically, they're squishy. Closed cell is basically things that you would find like those yoga mats you find at Walmart, which is actually one of the things we use. Oh, oh, the, oh yeah, the, the foam. Yeah, the blue foam stuff. Oh, yeah, the that stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's what most of our weapons are made out of. I always found that stuff uncomfortable, although I was mostly sleeping on it. Yeah, well, to be fair, it's not very thick. No. Yeah, it's we tend to do about three-ish layers, four-ish layers, depending on how heavy. Look, I am not going to go into super detail about this because I know there are plenty of foam blacksmiths out there that will basically be like, well, technically we can do this and this and this, and we can actually make it lose some way by doing this or doing this. And it's like, I'm aware. I have seen it done. I appreciate your contribution but I don't want to look like an idiot on live recording. Somewhat live recording. I more or less got the basis down. I got ideas for how to make weapons. I just can't craft. Oh, that's... Yeah, I think you craft good enough if you've got working weapons. Oh, no, weapons. those weren't mine. Those are, I, other people have made those for me. I bought those. Oh. Yeah. Or I had my wife make them for me. Oh, hey. She is the builder, crafter, and I just sit back and do my domestic duties like a good husband. Way to break the mold there. Oh, I definitely try. All right. I think it's time we move on to our final drink of the night, which is, oh boy, this one is one that I have never had before. And this one is the Moscow Mule. Yeah, this one actually, another one I got from my brother because he actually used to drink this for a while and he tried to get me into them. When I first had them, granted, this might be a trend when it comes to my brother, but I think he burnt the hell out of it. So that's why I probably didn't like it. Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely think so. I mean, we tried one of the base ingredients, mm -hmm. and uh, it seems pretty good. Yeah, but then you also throw in the vodka, which is basically kind of a harsh... Well, vodka shouldn't be harsh, but again, we are cheap. Cheap bastards. Mm-hmm. This shouldn't be a problem, but it might. Yep, bottoms up. Mm-hmm. Three, two, one. Okay. Yeah, that tastes pretty good. Mm-hmm. Almost tastes like ginger ginger ale. Yeah, I think that's kind of the point because ginger beer, for those who are unaware of what ginger beer tastes like, is picture root beer but replace it with ginger. And for those of you wondering how to make a, your own Moscow mule, you take, of course, ginger beer and mix in some vodka and some lime juice. Yeah, it's a pretty simple recipe. Like, it's not even one of those things where you need a shaker, it's literally just stir it right in. Yep, just pour all the ingredients into the cup and give it a good stir, and it's all good to go. Mm -hmm. Now, normally, when it comes to Moscow mules, you're supposed to put them into, like, little copper cups. We are not nearly that fancy, nor do we believe in going bankrupt for a radio podcast. I mean, technically, the tequila sunrises were supposed to be in uh, clear cups. Stop it, Dane. You're breaking the illusion. 
I'm sorry. I'd rather be real. <laughs> I'm a real boy. <laughs> and uh, with that, let's move on to the final topic of today, which is video games. Oh boy, we could gush about this one for friggin' hours. Let's try to keep it under 10 minutes. <laughs> no promises there. So what was, you say, is your first game you have ever played? First game I have ever played. I don't remember myself personally, but from what I heard from my parents, the first game that I ever played was Super Mario Brothers 3 on the Super Nintendo. Oh, well, I think I got you beat there, buddy. I don't remember what games we had for the Atari. I want to say it was Space Invaders. It was one of my first games. That or it was the original Mario Brothers. Not the arcade, The uh, for the NES. Mario Brothers. That's potential. Yep, because that is one of the, I think those are the first ones I can actually remember playing. And that was when I was, whoa boy, about four-ish, three-ish? About the same age for me, and mm -hmm. <laughs> most of the time all I did was sit back and just watch my brothers play. My dad actually used to be a pretty big gamer until there was more than four buttons. <laughs> so basically, once Super Nintendo came around, he stopped, yeah. yeah that that makes sense, you know. That's that's when things started to get real complicated in but the, the old times. Mm -hmm. But at the same token, things also got a lot better, though. Oh, absolutely. Things definitely got a lot better. But, I mean, like, for right now, what are we playing? With the Super Nintendo, I'm going to gush about the Super Nintendo because it was actually a marvel for what it was. I want to say around that generation was when people actually took responsibility for plot. Remember back in the NES, you had Mario Brothers, you had Chippendales, you had whatever, and it was basically... Go, f go do this mission, go do this, defeat this boss, so on. Then you actually had plots starting to show up in the Super Nintendo. During that same time, you also had Sega coming out, which was basically competing with Nintendo. Yeah, um, I never had the Sega growing up, but <clears throat> I would definitely say that Super Nintendo was basically when, and the Sega, mm -hmm. as they call it, the 16-bit wars. That's when people kind of started to pay attention to the mm -hmm. story a bit more, at least developer-wise. This reminds me of an anecdote I heard. I, if we ever get Audible as a sponsor, which, fingers crossed, there is a uh, video game that, uh, biography, I guess it'd be, it wouldn't be a biography, it'd be a, I don't know what you would call it, basically it's a history of video games. Uh, basically a autobiography? Uh, well, either way, well, it's called a biography. For it. One of the things that actually was brought up was when at during that time before i want to say it was after a certain point i want to say it was maybe right before the uh, 64 came out there was no ratings for video games oh no the es the esrb system had not been made yet mm -hmm. not and, until uh what was it night trap oh god that's so dumb mm, let's go Let's yell about this one game that literally has almost no violence, but the concept alone apparently is bad enough. <laughs> Let's not get into that. <laughs> I mean, then you also, I mean, I can understand things like, say, Mortal Kombat. Mm. That, that you can make a, de you know, a debate about, yes, is putting, promoting violence. Or you could, you could say the same thing for, like, Doom or Quake or literally almost any FPS that was out in the system. But Night Trap? Oh. Like, literally, okay, for those who have not heard or seen anything about Night Trap, it was, I want to say, for, was it? It was for the Sega CD. Sega CD, thank you. So I wasn't sure if it was Dreamcast yet or not. It was literally a FMV, full motion video game. The idea was you were trying to save these girls from being attacked by vampires who didn't look like vampires. They, they looked more like burglars. 
Exactly. It's not even we're looking for like Dracula esque vampires. They were literally like people in like full black suits. Like then they also have like beanies. Black, yeah, black beanies as well. And the idea was there was these uh Home Alone esque or what was that one board game? Uh, mousetrap. Uh, like mousetrap esque traps that you were basically supposed to activate whenever they came on screen. No blood, no gore, nothing sexual, for lack of a better term, harmless fun. Although the game itself was kind of garbage. Not very fun. Well, by today's standards, kind of garbage. Yeah. But again, that was basically the forerunner. So anyway, the anecdote I was getting back to. Sorry, we had a bit of a tirade there. What happened was Nintendo was basically, and it still kind of is to this day, like the squeaky clean company. Yeah, in quotes, squeaky clean. There are a few things. They basically put up standards for what goes in their games. Like they can't, like there was no supposed to be no religious symbol, symbols. There was supposed to be no blood. Well, to a certain point, there was supposed to be a lot of things. Nintendo was basically the poster boy for snitching on Sega. Yeah. Then Sega basically, in retaliation more or less, pulled out one of the accessories. I think it was actually called like the Nintendo Scope or something like that. You know, the one that looks like a bazooka? Oh, yes. And they're like, well, can you explain this then? Yes, it was called the uh, the Super Scope. The Super Scope. There we go. Which I always found kind of hilarious. Yes, the, the Super Scope, which apparently would drain batteries like nobody's business. Mm-hmm. Never had one, but I've heard stories. Oh, yeah. I've, I've heard it drains batteries like no one's business. Um, I would say, like, technically, I was supposed to be an N64 child, PS1 mm-hmm. child, but... Mm, oh, I mean, we really got into things, you mean? Uh, No. I mean, like, when I was born. Mm. When I was born, you know, they were, like, right on the horizon. Oh, yeah. Trust me, I was in that same boat as you were, because one of the first gifts I remember getting is actually an N64 when I, was, when I actually lived in this town we're currently residing in. Yeah, um, I was supposed to be part of that generation, yet I feel more connected to the Super Nintendo because that was the system I had for the first five years of my life before we got our first PlayStation. Yep, with me, we I remember we had a Super Nintendo for... No, we didn't have a Super Nintendo, actually. That got We skipped over that entire generation, which is probably why I gush over it so much, because I ne- probably didn't have as much, nearly as exposure to it. Basically, we went from Atari, Nintendo, then to N64. Oh, boy. I remember that N64 that I got. It was the green clear cart, you know, case with Donkey Kong 64 attached to it. With oh. the, you remember that? Oh, I do. Oh, the nostalgia. Mm, yeah. The rose tinted glasses. <laughs> oh, those rose tinted glasses. Keep them on if mm-hmm. you haven't yet. <laughs> oh, another fun little thing that I learned. I occasionally watch speedrunning just because it's like, oh, wow, that's crazy how much dedication they throw into it. One of the things that the Donkey Kong 64 is called is basically... Uh, it's like the game with no walls or something like that. Because you can literally break the game and go through walls into different sections. Like, it was not... Because there was two games that were specifically for launch at N64. And that was, I believe, Super Mario 64 and Donkey Kong 64. I think Pilot Wings was in there somewhere. I, I don't remember too much about the N64's launch. I remember having an N64. I remember playing N64. I remember there was a bunch of games I enjoyed, like... So for those of you who like Smash Brothers but only kind of picked up the game recently, the N64 is when Smash Brothers first came out. One of the easiest way to win a game in that was just throw, 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 throw. Like, you know how a new game's throws are basically kind of pointless? They're not very good. Some characters have pretty good throws. Like, I think it was Fox's down throw was good. To be fair, that's because you can basically do like an infinite combo with that, though, at least in the older games. Like in, well... Melee, you definitely could. But with N64, literally, if you wanted to win, just keep on throwing. doesn't matter who you had, except for, I think it was Jigglypuff. 
Yeah, because she was way too light. Well, not so much. Literally, that it doesn't matter if you threw forward, that she would always throw straight up. This episode is sponsored by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you when you're done, so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever the heck you listen to your podcasts. You can also make money from your podcast. Ka-ching! With no minimum on how many listeners you have. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Also, it's free. <laughs> you can't get much better than free. Just be sure to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And welcome back. And thank you very much to our sponsor. We've been talking about a lot of older games. Go to what we're currently playing. Yeah, our current our current game selection. So I got a few. I want to say I got like maybe five-ish, give oh. or take. Five, maybe. Maybe like eight for me. Well, one of the games I haven't played in a bit that I need to pick up again because... In this genre, you kind of have to, because otherwise you're going to forget what you're doing. Final Fantasy IX. Mm-hmm. My opinion, one of the most underrated Final Fantasy games out there. Final Fantasy IX had the same problem that Wind Waker did, meaning everyone hated the art style. So they basically said, no, I'm not going to play this. And the thing is, the story is so good. It's not like Final Fantasy VIII, where it's a love story that doesn't really work out in its favor. Like This is basically a game that's... a a lot about identity, knowing who you are, what your place is in the world, etc. The combat system is definitely better than 8, except for one of the characters who is kind of a pain to level up properly. You know in certain Final Fantasies, you're, you play Final Fantasy, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, like in some, like you're basically supposed to do like a last hit and you get an, abil- an ability or whatnot. Well, one of the characters is a blue mage that has that situation. Oh no. Problem being is, Final Fantasy Nine. The gap for that is so narrow to get that. You can't go before a certain point, but it's so easy to go over it and kill them, which is unfortunate because they keep on rotating casts and characters, so eventually you will have to get back to that character, and if you want to keep your party, you know, semi-okay in battles, you got to keep on doing that. Mm, Believe me, as as you'll find out soon enough, oh, I know the struggle. (laughs) Another one I've been playing, I keep on forgetting the name of this one because Bloodstained... Uh, Bloodstained think, Ritual of the Night. Thank you. It's actually a, I want to say a couple years old now? Two? I think it's about two years old now. Yep. It is a Metroidvania type game that is really dark, really moody, but not gory or, you know, it's not edgelordy, if that makes sense. It's got a nice fantasy horror. Granted, the story is kind of meh, in my opinion. But the gameplay is rock solid. Think of it as a modern day symphony of the night. Except when you die, you're not having you don't have to wait for two minutes just to get to the beginning of the freaking. <laughs> oh yeah, we we know that struggle. Ugh. So for those who don't know, Symphony of the Night had this really good game. But when you died, instead of get, taking you to like a "Do you want to continue?" screen, it would take you back all the way to the main menu. Okay, that's annoying. Not the end of the world, but the real pain was that it literally took like a minute and a half to get you to that screen. It'll basically show a picture of a gravestone and a skull. It's supposed to imply that's what, where, more or less where you are or who you are, and you're just staring at it. Can't do anything else, just staring at it. 
Yeah, that's that was one of the big problems with Symphony of the Night. I mean, it is an awesome game if you got the patience for it or you're good at those kind of games to not die that often, which I'm not. But it is a really good game, as is Bloodstained. Bloodstained, I actually have a lot more patience for because it, it actually took Symphony of the Night and added a lot more stuff to it. Oh, so another one I am playing. This one you have actually not probably haven't heard of. This is an indie game. Well, so was Bloodstained, by the way, for those who didn't know. It was actually kickstarted and really successfully kickstarted game. Oh, very much so. Like, not as high as Shovel Knight, but it was up there. Anyway, back to what I was saying. Moonlighter. That is a game I actually picked up from another podcast I was listening to. I like them when they're doing D&D stuff. Their review stuff is kind of meh. I'm not going to bring them up because I don't want to be that guy. You know, that kind of name drops people who don't even know who the hell we are. The idea is you are a merchant who, in order to get supplies, has to adventure into these dungeons. And these dungeons are basically roguelike dungeons. They are random every time, and it, these creatures will drop stuff, or there'll be treasure chests for you to pick up items. And each item has a different value. So it's basically a merchant simulator plus a, a roguelike adventure. Well, that definitely sounds fun. Oh, it is. And the music, granted, it's not it's not high octane, it's not really fast, but it's nice, soothing, and it's kind of got like this moody darkness when you're actually in the uh, dungeons themselves. The graphic is, I want to say, somewhere between 16 to 32-bit. So I guess it be two, yeah, just 16. The 32-bit really wasn't a thing. Yeah, kind of, but not really. Kind of like a better end 16-bit. The last one I am playing is Shadows of Mordor. Which is basically Lord of the Rings meets Assassin's Creed. Kill the orcs. The thing is, because I couldn't find the subtitle things too late, and in Lord of the Rings, a lot of fantasy games you kind of need to know the plot from the get-go. Since I couldn't find the subtitles and it was such a quiet game, it's like, well, I guess I'm just playing this to play this now. Yeah, just play it to play it. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know the story. I can't follow the story, so I guess I'll just fuck around. Kill all the orcs. Basically. Like, don't get me wrong, there are, like, missions and side quests and whatnot that you can do, but it's just kind of, without any real direction, it's like, oh, well, I guess I'm doing this for some reason. Cool. It's a, it's a little trip back to your roots when you were playing as a kid. You had no clue what was going on. Except for, like, a paragraph. <laughs> All right. Well, that's more or less what I'm. What are you playing? Uh, what am I playing? Well, like I said, I had about eight different titles. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't go into too much detail about them because a lot of them are a little bit higher end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the first one I've been playing that I've been playing for about over a year now is Final Fantasy fourteen. Was that the MMO? That's the MMO one. Oof. Yeah, I've been meaning to try that one, but it's like. Mm, MMOs, you need people. You do need people, and it the game gets a heck of a lot better when you have people in it. Mm-hmm. Well, you can say that for any MMO, though. So I used to play WoW back in the day, and uh, I basically played for my friends for a little bit, and then I had they had their own group, and I just kind of got left out. So it's like, well, fuck this noise. Yeah, that's kind of the big problem. But I I have to applaud. Mm-hmm. the developers when it comes to final fantasy 14 because they didn't fall into the typical trap that mmos fall into which is mmo first then you know the title that they mm-hmm. the world that they based it on 
In this one, it's the other way around. It's a Final Fantasy game first, then it's an MMO. Wait, didn't they also more or less do a factory reset on like the plot line at one point? Yes, they did. <laughs> <laughs> I got to applaud them for that because what game has the balls to do that? That version of the game is typically called Final Fantasy XIV 1.0. Like, I don't remember what was wrong with it, but I remember people just had a lot of issue with it. It was a very bare bones version of the game from what I heard, because I didn't come in until around Stormblood. It was, from what I heard, it was a very, very boring experience. Kind of like ESO. hey oh, Oh, shots fired. It's like, I'll skip over a few of them since... We're kind of running out of time mm-hmm. here, but I think the the next biggest one that I'll, we could talk about would be Near Automata. Ooh, I've started that game. Honestly, I'm not a huge fan of the control scheme, but it is pretty. It is a very, very pretty game. It is, yeah, the control scheme is a little awkward at first, and if you really don't know how to fight all that well, since it's a very dodge-heavy game... Kind of it, like you're gonna get your ass kicked. Kind of like Dark Souls or something like that, where you basically gotta dodge time, dodge time. Yeah, dodge or well, or parry. Learn mm-hmm. learn your parries. I still need to play Dark Souls. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt your gushing. Yeah, no, yeah, but I've been playing Near Automata still very early on in it, but I've heard some very glowing reviews, so I'm very excited to really dig my teeth into that one. Another one that I'm playing, speaking of Dark Souls, is Dark Souls Two. Yeah, I mean, I think I tried that one for PC, and that was a mistake. Uh, yes, I have heard horror stories about Dark Souls 2 on PC, but I've also heard that Dark Souls 2 is the weakest installment in the trilogy, so... Weakest in what regard? Are we talking about gameplay, storyline? Uh, I believe it's gameplay. Again, I haven't played all the Dark Souls, so I might be talking my ass here, but I have played Demon Souls, the predecessor to it, and I have played Dark Souls a bit. I think Demon's Souls is a little bit more... How would I put this? Instead of it being timey-based, it seems more action-based. I don't get me wrong. There was still... It was super punishing, like Dark Souls is. But it was less... Oh, you actually need a pattern. It was just punishing. Yeah, and it's getting remade very soon, so... Demon's Souls? Yeah. Ooh. We might have to do a live stream at some point. Oh, just to see how... Oh, make that a drinking game. Oh no. Oh, Drunk yes. souls. Oh no, 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 no. Well, we'll see how it goes. Well, after after Dark Souls 2, it's uh huh, this one's going to be a little hilarious. It's Dragon Ball Z Kakarot, which oh. was basically the RPG version of Dragon Ball Z to come out early in January of this year. Okay, is that like the ones that came out in like the Game Boy Advance or is that like a different no, it's kind of like it's kind of like a really advanced version of the Game Boy Advance ones, okay. except if they took the world from Skyrim. So they basically advanced. They just basically expanded it. Oh, big time! That's not a bad thing because I didn't necessarily hate the ones from Game Boy Advance, but it was very limiting. Very limiting indeed. I have not gotten very far in that game because other things came up. Mm-hmm. Hi. <laughs> Yes, but other games as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll go into one more, one more game that I've been playing a lot recently, which is Persona Five. Okay, I've been dying to get into the Persona series because it looks like one of those games that is, for lack of a better term, kind not so much gameplay wise or mechanic wise, but kind of like the feel and the tone, kind of like Earthbound. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's it's very much like Earthbound, especially this 
newer one, it's not quite as dark as some of the previous mm-hmm, titles in the series, but it can have its dark moments. Oh, I'm sure. Like, here's my problem with it. It's kind of like I want to try the Persona games, but it's kind of like trying to start the dot .hack games. Yeah. Where do you start? Well, I think the beauty of Persona 5 is that they're all contained in their own little separate corners. Mm-hmm. So you could literally start with any of the series and you'd be just fine. You're not missing anything. A lot of people might tell you to start with like Persona 4 or 3. Mm-hmm. But I I would say there's no problem with starting with Persona 5, seeing if you like the game system, mm-hmm. and then going back from there to see where it got its roots. Then you got people who are basically lack of a better term not purists per se but old school basically saying if you want to st- learn how to play the game or you want to know what a game actually is start it from the beginning it's, and i've known people like that yeah i i've i've known people like that too but i in my own personal opinion i don't believe persona is one of those series that you should have to start from number one yeah and i hate to say this i don't think there's any well Obviously, there's a few series that you kind of need that for continuing storyline, but there are some RPGs that you don't need to do that with. Like, say, Final Fantasy, I hate to say this, I do, because I really enjoy the series, but starting off at one is a mistake. Yeah. It's like the, one of the granddaddies of RPGs, obviously. It's got its roots. It's got this. It's got that. It's also, what else it has that a lot of people like to ignore and skim? A lot of glitches. A lot of glitches and a shit ton of grinding. Mm-hmm. Then a lot of people say, well, start with, say, 7. Seven's not a bad one. However, it's also now coming, it's now actually out for, uh, what was it, P- for PS4 right now. Yep, PlayStation 4. And considering how much friggin' lore is behind Final Fantasy 7, that's another trap because there is so much backstory that's just not even part of the main storyline in the game. It's literally like, and there was anime, there was Dirt of Cerberus, there's, you know, there's a lot of things outside of the game. Ones that you should start with, depending on how finicky you are with gameplay graphics. If you don't mind, like the older school type, go with Final Fantasy VI. Oh, yes, absolutely. Or Final Fantasy IX. Because, yes, again, I'm going to be gushing this. It is an underrated classic, but it is one of those games that's really, really, really good. Play it please it needs more love all right and i'll give one honorable mention to this which would be kingdom hearts 3 Ooh, kingdom hearts i kind of got a love-hate relationship with kingdom hearts like i enjoyed the one and two i did but once you start getting to the side ones it's like man they switched this up and the story just kind of goes all over the place no there there's memes going around right now of people from the outside going like i don't understand what's going on in kingdom hearts and then you had the veteran kingdom hearts players like myself going yeah we don't know what's going on either (laughs) all right and with that and yeah with that we'll end it off so we hope you enjoyed this episode and we hope you enjoy the drinks i'm luke and i'm dane have a good one see you next time